Hi, I'm Johnny Pollard, and welcome to episode two of season two of the One Giant Mind podcast. In this episode, I get asked one of my favorite questions. What is enlightenment? The concept of enlightenment is often shrouded in misconception and mysticism, and is left on the top shelf as something that's unattainable for the average person. In this episode, I break down the nuts and bolts of it so that you can understand from a very pragmatic perspective to realize that it's not only attainable, but also our responsibility. Enjoy. Hi, my name is Emily. I'm 23 years old. I was living in New York last year with one of my best friends and I've just recently moved home at the start of this year back to Melbourne. Um, And I've just recently opened a restaurant and I've been in the hospitality industry for five years now. And I just wanted to ask you if you could speak to the term of enlightenment in regards to what you define enlightenment as and... Um, the difference between maybe a monk's term of enlightenment and our day-to-day sort of worldly view of enlightenment? Mm, great question. Enlightenment is the, the cessation of suffering. And when suffering ceases, what is left is knowingness of who and what I am in relationship to what appears to be a, a universe that is separate from me on the gross level but actually is me at a much deeper, subtler level. Enlightenment is the experience of knowing that you are all of it. And furthermore, it is an experience that invokes behavior that is about serving the procession of evolution whereby all aspects of the universe that haven't yet arrived at the final conclusion that they are it are benefited by my efforts whatever that might be and that that is the only thing that really preoccupies one's attention that the desire to want to serve the whole is unrelenting and causes extraordinary effectiveness in the expression of the desire. The impact is unity, a sense of elevation and a sense of connectedness with whomever and whatever one in that state encounters. When somebody comes into the field of enlightenment, there is a deeper and greater sense of unity, clarity, knowingness of the truth. The burden of ignorance dissolves, suffering ceases, and one feels at home in the present moment. Ah. And we must understand enlightenment as a very pragmatic, attainable experience that is available to all of us. It's here now, actually, and it's only the conditioning of the gross levels of our mind, the calcification of our identity, the rigidity of attachment to our identity as being separate and other 
Another way of saying that is being a hyper-identified with being an individual that seems insignificant in the context of the universe, the vastness of the universe. This is the, the great mistake of our intelligence, to become hyper-identified with an identity that seems like nothing. And that's what keeps us entrenched in suffering, self-doubt, and therefore a futile game of survival. So you're saying people that walk around being like, oh, it's just me, I'm just a speck on the earth, like what contribution do I have, like what change could I make? You're saying that's such a ignorant sense of mind to have because everyone can make a difference and if everyone has that frame of mind, then mm. we're never going to change. Exactly. Yeah. But when, when I say it's such an ignorant, like it's not a derogatory term, mm -hmm. ignorance is not a derogatory term. Mm -hmm. It is the propensity to ignore, to, to not give attention to the truth of the foundation of our reality, which is that there is only one thing. When we get to the most subtle level of reality, of existence, the boundaries between you and I don't exist. In the quantum field, which we are made up of, which we emerge out of, that all matter emerges out of, where is the boundary between you and I? It's, a, it's an infinite, soupy, quantum mess <laughs> or of infinite intelligence and, and potentiality. And so the deeper we go, the more we realize that there is nothing that really separates us. You and me and everything, the glass, the plant, the microphone, the frequencies that move through the microphone, form and phenomenology. It includes energy. It includes forces. We are the force that moves through us as well. We are the love that we emanate. We are all of it. And when we are identified with that, then we are having the experience. Yeah, it's, the, it's just that knowingness is freedom because you know that you are a part of everything and we're all in this together and we yeah. are all one. Yeah. And as soon as you know that, you're free. And mm -hmm. then that's, that's enlightenment. Yes. Freedomness is knowing it. Exactly, yeah. yeah. And that requires you know, a great deal of persistence and pr practice and repetition of activities that expose the senses and the mind to that experience. It's not enough to think about enlightenment, to contemplate it intellectually and conceptually, but actually to expose ourselves to the experience of that unified state. And this is why meditation is so important, because it is a practice that systematically leads us into the direct experience of the reality that we are ultimately remembering, reawakening to. And it, we just need to keep exposing ourselves to it, keep exposing ourselves to it. And then as we come out, we do an extraordinary service to everybody else 
by learning how to reconcile the impression of our unboundedness, meaning our state with no boundaries. How we reconcile our unboundedness with the reality of boundaries. How do we fit infinity into a container? That's what enlightenment works out. <laughs> we learn to reconcile how to be infinite, unbounded, and exist in boundaries. And the process of working that out is nature's greatest puzzle. It's a puzzle. And when you work it out, you've worked out the secret to the universe. When you say the word container, you're referring, referring to like reality? Yes. That's what, yeah, yeah that's the what physical universe. Yeah. Yeah. Where there are, where there are um, clear boundaries, laws, where there are limitations mm. in, in the expression of this particular real reality. But in a meditative state, reality is gone, the container is gone. There isn't really any connection to that so much, would you say? No, not necessarily. Maybe mm. in a moment. Mm. Maybe in a moment we may have the experience of losing sensory awareness of the container, of our body, of our identity, of our ideas of who we think we are and what reality is. We may have moments where we completely transcend that. Mm -hmm. And we are bathing completely in the unboundedness. Mm -hmm. Generally, when we're having that experience, we don't know we're having it while we're having it because there is no self to reference the experience. We only know we've had it in retrospect as we move out of it. And we look back down at that infinite primordial soup of the self <laughs> and go, whoa, what just happened there? Where was I? The question is, where were you not? Mm. You were everywhere. And as you, as you start to come out, you go, okay, okay, well, I was just infinite, unbounded <laughs> consciousness. And now I'm entering back into the, to the world of ideas and concepts and form and phenomenology, containers. How do I reconcile my unboundedness in boundaries? And what we realize is through repetition of going down, Becoming unbounded, infinite supersymmetric fields, and then coming back into the relative, into the container of reality, through the repetition of it, we start to realize that it's one and the same thing, and that the containers of our reality are wonderful expressions that emerge out of the unboundedness in layers and layers and layers and layers and layers and layers until it appears like we are separate. Our infinite nature is present always, as is the boundaries, because the boundaries are actually emergent out of the infinite field of the self. And it's not that we, that, that we are inside reality, that reality is inside the self. <laughs> All this is happening inside of the self. The self is actually the container. The true self 
is actually the container that contains what appears to be containers. Now we're getting super esoteric and abstract here. <laughs> and you can listen to this a few times and go, hmm, okay. <laughs> but it's good. It's good to be dragged down into this place for a bit. And <laughs> Sorry, I got deep there for a minute. Yeah, yeah, but it's great. <laughs> so um, when you speak about the process of enlightenment, is it something that you all of a sudden come into the understanding of or is it something that you remember and then forget? It can be the case that somebody's enlightenment happens instantaneously and stabilizes itself and remains. It can be the case that that happens. It's very rare that that occurs, but it can and it does. The more common experience of enlightenment is like the, the turning of a dimming switch from low light into full bright light. And it happens incrementally and enlightenment dawns like the sunrise. You know, it's dark and you get the first hint of light. Mm, the black in the sky goes a little bit midnight bluey and all the stars start to fade a little bit. On the horizon line, you can see a distinction between the earth and the black of the sky with a, with a faint blue hue. I'm starting to see something, I'm starting to notice things. I'm starting to become more self-aware. I'm starting to become aware of my environment because there's a little bit more light. And as that light incrementally increases, your relationship with yourself and your environment due to the increased illumination enables you to get more information about what's going on and therefore interact more successfully in accordance with your desire. And as the, the light becomes increased and increased and increased and increased, so does your capability. And then at some point you reflect, you go, hmm, I can't remember the last time I really suffered. I can't remember the last time I was overcome by jealousy, envy, pain, resentment, fear, anxiety. Hmm. It's not to say that I didn't feel them, but they just didn't seem to have any real impact on the truth of the moment. Interesting. But there was a moment where I did behave a little silly, but then I kind of corrected myself pretty quickly. It's a moment of forgetting and then remembering. Hmm. Okay. And this is, this is generally how it works, is a, a slow and gentle awakening over time. It's like waking up, going, mm, it's Sunday, I'm going to go back to sleep again. And then waking up and going, oh, it's going to be a nice day today, but I'm just going to go back to sleep again. And, you know, rolling over, rolling over. We do a lot of rolling over before we actually decide to really sit up and go, right, let's get into the day. Get out of bed, get dressed, and go for it. We take a little while to get out of bed in this process. Some, a lifetime. We can toss and turn and roll over and go back to sleep for a whole lifetime. But if you're doing that in one lifetime, it's not really likely that that's going to be able to occur in the next. You know, the, the desire to want to get out of bed will be, happen at a very, very young age, using that analogy. And so it's a, it's a turning of a dimming switch. And to my understanding, there is 
there's no limit to how bright it gets. It just gets brighter and 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 brighter. Enlightenment isn't a, a final state. It just gets brighter. Why? Because the universe is infinitely evolving. Creation is infinitely evolving. And whilst an enlightenment, by the way, can only be experienced in a body, it's a relative phenomenon. Because if we're not in a body or in some container, then we are the infinite ocean. Enlightenment doesn't need to occur because there is nothing that is unknown to us in that state. Enlightenment is the remembering of our underlying truth of, of who and what we are, all-knowing beings. For me, the, like when I often I think it's been very much conflated by society. Enlightenment, it's gonna you're not gonna like it's the end of suffering. Like you're not gonna feel those negative emotions, or you do, and you'll just be able to let them go. Mm -hmm. But that. But you were saying, like, I should, like, feel them and really be with them mm -hmm. and that they'll still kind of come up. Mm -hmm. So how does that definition of enlightenment, res like... Um, how do I reconcile yeah, those two? Yeah, yeah. So my definition of suffering is the belief that I am powerless to break free from the feeling of being trapped by this experience that I'm having right now. Suffering is the feeling that I am trapped. I'm choiceless. I have lost my connection to my power and my creativity to free myself from this experience, whatever it may be. Powerlessness, like I, I believe that I do not have the power to change this situation and therefore I am stuck here. That's the feeling that we get from that is suffering. Where we, we don't feel like we can continue the process of evolving and growing and moving through and reconciling, growing, evolving, moving through, reconciling. Where we just become, I can't change this. It's a, a feature of my existence now and I just have to accept it. And life becomes very, very stale, very heavy, burdensome, dreadful, meaning full of dread. At the heart of that is a belief that I don't have inside of me the capability and resources to respond to this situation that is undesirable and somehow move through it for it to start breaking up and dissolving. And so the cessation of suffering means that I have discovered the means by which I can sustain momentum in my consciousness so that no experience, no idea, no belief becomes so sticky that it can cause the impression that I am no longer moving, I am no longer evolving, I'm no longer pro progressing. Enlightenment is the, the knowingness of how to respond 
to anything that arises in any given moment and dynamically interact with it to transmute it into a powerful stepping stone into the next phase of growth. Bang! Bang! It's all opportunity for growth. Bang! It never perceives an experience as something that is going to overcome and trap. You're, you're free of that as an experience, as a concept. You just don't see reality that way anymore. Anything that happens is like, okay, I'm being informed. I'm receiving energy and information to inform me about something that requires my attention in a particular way. And how I choose to respond is going to inform the universe of what it should do next. Think about that for a second. How I respond to this situation informs the universe of what it should do next. Meaning <laughs> that I am taking the position of the universe, interacting with the universe. I'm not seeing reality as something that's happening to me, but reality is something that I am participating in, in alliance with the underlying intelligence that governs the whole thing. I'm in alliance with it. I am co-creating and I no longer become overwhelmed by the, the appearance that I don't have in me an infinite repertoire of responses to any challenge or demand that appears before me in any given moment. I have the capacity to meet that challenge and demand and to utilize it as an opportunity that not only serves my own personal growth, but everybody else around me as well. Makes it sound very attainable, right? It's just, to what extent can I stay awake at the wheel and keep probing with curiosity? What resources do I have available inside of me right now, despite the way that the body is feeling, to continue movement through this situation where I am growing and I remain in the position of service? It's more about, it's not so much about suffering in terms of feeling uncomfortable, but more like the end of feeling like you can't grow or move forward. Yeah. Yeah. There's a beautiful old saying, before enlightenment, chop wood, carry water. After enlightenment, chop wood, carry water. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> the, the body sensations don't cease, but the body sensations are like the rising and falling waves on the ocean. It could be an absolute terrifying typhoon out in the ocean, 60-foot waves rising and crashing. Ah. But because there is a typhoon happening on the surface of the ocean, the ocean doesn't freak out because the ocean is the ocean. The ocean doesn't lose awareness of its oceanic nature because there is a typhoon happening on the surface level of it. In the same way, when we become identified with our oceanic nature, the vast expanse of awareness that is what we are, by virtue of training our senses to detect that through the practice of yoga, meditation, all these wonderful things that are available to us, we are able to cultivate a position in our consciousness. Uh, we see our emotions and our feelings and our dissonant thoughts and all of these kinds of things as 
the typhoon on the surface of the ocean, but it is of little concern, which sounds like where you're at in many respects. You're able to witness the, the rising and falling of things and just be in acceptance of it, move deeper into the ocean and just allow them to pass. This is very, very powerful. But it is a fine line in so much as that we don't want to ignore the body to escape having to deal with it. Mm-hmm. We don't want to ignore the body because the body carries emotion. The body carries stress. And the body also carries bliss. So we have to tend to the body in order to make it a conduit that can allow these experiences to, to be available to us. Is that helpful? Yes, that was very helpful. Thank great. you. Great. You're welcome. <laughs> You're doing great. A big thank you to our show's producer, Daniel Tucker, a.k.a. Spiritual Tradie, Ali Lieberman, One Giant Mind's composer all the beautiful music you hear in any of the one giant mind programs is produced by him i suggest you go and check him out sky tipler from mkt in melbourne and of course the entire one giant mind team if you're curious about meditation and don't already have a practice there's two ways the one giant mind can support you the first is you can download the free app Uh, on iOS or Android, which is a 12-step course that takes you through a very elegant process of learning the technique. The second, which is the more highly encouraged way, is to go to the One Giant Mind website and search out a teacher. We have certified teachers from all around the world teaching the One Giant Mind being technique. And in three short sessions, you'll be trained in a very powerful technique in which you'll be able to practice by yourself self-sufficiently and experience all the wonderful benefits. OneGiantMind.com. If you're already a passionate meditator and you feel compelled to do something really powerful in the world, I really encourage you to check out our meditation teacher training program. Not only does this program cause a massive transformation in you and empower you to experience a more deeply fulfilling personal practice, it empowers you with the capacity to share that with others. And I don't think there's ever been a greater time than now for more meditators in the world becoming truly empowered, overcoming their fears, and radiating that beautiful creative intelligence that we all have inherent within us.